Our God Reigns, instrumental, relaxing guitar hymn, heavenly stuff. Thank you for coming to today's podcast. My name is Fernando. I am an alcoholic. <clears throat> to get us rolling for today, <clears throat> November 17th, let's go ahead and open up with a serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. A 12-step movement is comprised of men and women who had enough of living their own way, who said, Uncle, and we're here to help others. Thank you for being a partner with us in the the 12-step movement. 24-hour for today, November 17th. Everyone has two personalities, a good and a bad. We're all dual personalities to some extent. When we were drinking, the bad personality was in control. We did things when we were drunk that we would never do when we were sober. When we sobered up, we are different people. Then we wonder how we could have done things we did. But we drink again and again. Our bad side comes out. So we are back and forth, always in conflict with our other self, always in a stew. This division of ourselves is not good. We must somehow become unified. We do this by giving ourselves wholeheartedly to AA, 12-step movement, and to sobriety. Have I become unified? Meditation for the day. Well done, the good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. These words are for many ordinary people whom the world may pass by, unrecognized. Not to the world fame, the proud, the wealthy are these words spoken, but to the quiet followers who serve God. Untruthfully, yet faithfully, who bear their crosses bravely and put a smiling face to the world. Enter into the joy of the Lord, pass it, pass into the fuller spiritual life, which is a life of joy and peace. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may not desire the world's applause. I pray that I may not seek rewards for doing what I believe is right. I'm Fernando Alcoholic, and just like Forrest Gump, this is what I got to say about that. Uh, acceptance sounds to me like I need to accept situations that come to me. Um, and the word acceptance has evolved for me. <clears throat> I got a text this morning, five in the morning, and one guy, a motorcycle guy, and he texts me one word, acceptance. <clears throat> so this is what I wrote back. I said, acceptance has evolved for me as I've been in the, in the program. It's, it's step three. For me, to acceptance is to make a commitment is step three. To turn my will and my life over the care of God as I understand them. This is how I understand God, and this is what works for me, and this is what gives results. To thank God for the grievance, challenge, or friction is step three. Again, to be thankful for a grievance, for a, for a hurt, for a problem, for an offense for a bill, 
for an accident and keep thanking God that there's there's a good side of the coin. Myself, my, my little boy inside of me will get angry and stop his feet because it's cornered. It's trapped with that situation. It can't go to the left or the right, up or down. I don't want to respond in my old self way again, so I start thanking God. After keep thanking God for a long time, then myself gets pitying. I get self-pity. Why me, oh God? Why me? I have to go through this. Then I keep thanking God some more because I made a real commitment. Then it, something happens. It turns into real acceptance. I said, oh man, at one point or another, it doesn't bother me. I, I thank God. I said, I thank you, God, for this. I'll thank you for this for the rest of my life if that's what you want me to do. And as soon as I do that, my insides have turned into gold. Now the problem doesn't stick anymore. I don't even see myself thanking, uh, bothering with it, even though I'm still fixing it. I still have to do every morning or something to fix the situation, to make it right. It doesn't bother me anymore. I do it as, as easily as uh, taking a leak, uh, brushing my teeth. <clears throat> Could be a big problem, but it has turned into gold inside of me. It does not bother me. And that's when, ha when I, it turns into God's generosity. That's real acceptance for me. And that's when God's generosity opens up with abundance, rewards for my obedience, and doing things His way, big time. That's real acceptance for me, real acceptance. All right, thank you very much for listening in. Let's go ahead and read today's Alcoholics Anonymous Daily Reflections for the 17th. Here we go. We'll go into English. Back and forth from English to. And then we'll end with the Our Father. Here we go. November 17. Overcoming loneliness. Almost without exception, alcoholics are tortured by loneliness. Even before our drinking got bad and people began to cut us off. Nearly all of us suffered the feeling that we didn't quite belong, as Bill sees at page 90. The agonies and the void that I often felt inside occur less and less frequently in my life today. I have learned to cope with solitude. It is only when I am alone and calm that I am able to communicate with God, for He cannot reach me when I am in turmoil. It is good to maintain contact with God at all times, but it is absolutely essential that when Everything seems to go wrong. I maintain that contact through prayer meditation. There it is. It's only when I'm alone and calm that I'm able to communicate with God, for He cannot reach me when I am in turmoil. It is good to maintain contact with God at all times, but, but it is absolutely essential that when everything seems to go wrong, I maintain that contact to prayer and meditation. And folks, for me, prayer and meditation is step three. I have made a commitment, a, a real manly, real human commitment, that I'm going to thank God even if it kills me. 
even if it destroys me. I'm going to thank God. That's step three for me, guys. That's the only way step three works for me. That That's when the problem backs down, when he sees your, your, your human spirit uh, using the tools of heaven to thank God for a problem. It won't faze you. It will back down. That's my experience, folks. Let's go ahead and get out of here with the Our Father. Have a good morning. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming and listening. May the blessings of the Lord be upon your head. I bless you in the name of the Lord. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord grant you favor and peace and carry you in his arms today and put you in the right position as a soldier. Equip you again with a helmet and a sword and a spear and, and boots and belt and and a breastplate of rightness and get out there and go conquer your enemies and by thanking God for them. Weird, huh? Let's pray. Who woke us up this morning? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. It's working. Welcome to today's podcast. Let's go ahead and pray the Our Father to open up this session of Limitless Love and Kenny Copeland's Daily Faith to Faith. Thank you for your dedication. Let's pray with the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver them from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, I wanted to ask you, to go out and get yourself a copy. We we just ordered two more copies of this book, Limitless Love, because I gave one to my sister here in Los Angeles, and she she's reading it. And I left one in Las Vegas with uh, Donnie and the grandkids, and she is uh, she like she loved it. And so here we go for November seventeenth, Limitless Love. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know you that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Psalms 100 verses 1 through 4. 
be glad and not sad. Let me read that again, okay? You might like to repeat it after me. You make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All you lands that serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know you that the Lord is, he is God. It is he that has made us. Please say this with me. And not we ourselves. We are his people. And the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. And bless his name. Psalms 100, 1 through 4. Did you see? I saw something in here. I saw that Jesus is the gate. And the Holy Spirit is, is the courts. So I enter into Jesus through with thanksgiving and I enter his courts with the Holy Spirit with praise and then I become thankful unto him and I bless his name. Oh, just a little side note. This is by Gloria Copeland. She goes on to say, I think some people have misread this verse. They believe it says we should serve the Lord with sadness. Yes, I love the Lord, they say. But the way is hard. The burdens are heavy and the battle is taking its toil. It's almost as if they think God is pleased with the price they are willing to pay for himself. As if the more they suffer, the happier he is. That's the furthest thing from the truth. God wants us to serve him with gladness, not sadness. He loves us. It blesses him to see us happy and singing his praises. He enjoys it when we come into his presence with singing, not sighing. <laughs> when you think about it, that's easy to understand. After all, doesn't it bless you when you see your children happy and enjoying the things you've given them? Wouldn't it grieve your heart if they were always dragging around talking about how hard it is to be your child? <laughs> you want to say, wait a minute, I give you far more than I ask of you. I work hard to make sure your needs are met and you have everything necessary for a good and happy life. The least you could do is appreciate it and enjoy it. Do for the Lord what you want your children to do for you. Cultivate an attitude of gratitude and joy. Cultivate it. If you have to, do what the old hymn says to do and count your blessings. But I don't feel like counting my blessings, you might say. I have some serious problems. I need God to move in my life. That's all the more reason to remind yourself how much God loves you and thank Him for His faithfulness to you. It's easy for God to move in your heart when you're thankful. It's easy for you to have faith when you're rejoicing in Him. It's difficult for the Lord to move in your life when you're about half mad at Him all the time. It limits him when you're fretting and saying, God, why did you let these bad things happen to me? That kind of thinking leads to doubt, not faith. It will get you nowhere fast. So, read the scriptures right. Do what it says and serve the Lord with gladness. Sing and shout and thank him. 
for his wonderful love and care. Not only will he be blessed by your praises, they will open the door for him to do even more marvelous things for you. Amen. From Gloria Copeland, Limitless Love. And Faith to Faith, Kenny Copeland says on the devotion on November 17th, the power to create. Therefore, be imitators of God, copy him and follow his example as well. Beloved children, imitate their father. Amplified Bible, Ephesians 5.1. Creating new things, <clears throat> changing old things, because you and I are made in the image of God, that's something we, we're always trying to do. But if we're to be successful at it, we need to learn a lesson about it from the Creator Himself, our very own Heavenly Father. You know, He doesn't just come upon creation by accident and say, Well, what do you know? There's light. No. Before he began to make his universe, he first had a desire result, an inner idea, an image or what of what he wanted to create. And then he said, light be and light was. If we're going to imitate him, we're going to have to put that principle of the inner image to work too. But Brother Copeland, you say, that was God. Surely you don't expect me to try to act like God. I most sincerely do. Ephesians 5.1 says so. Let's read that again. Therefore be imitators of God as well beloved children. Imitate their father. Copy him. Follow his example. Let me warn you about something though. Don't waste your time sitting around trying to dream up a positive inner image all on your own. That's more than positive thinking. And while it's better than negative thinking or not thinking at all, it will eventually fall flat. If you're a born-again child of Almighty God, God has given you the principle and the power to make permanent changes in your life and in your circumstances. If you're a born-again child of Almighty God, God has given us the, the tools and the knowledge and whereabouts called power to make permanent changes in our lives and in our circumstances. Thinking about creation again, God wanted light. So he said, let there be light. The words he spoke were directly related to his inner image. He used his words to get that image from the inside to the outside. What we need is the basis for our inner image and for the words we speak is the Word of God. The Word has supernatural power. If you fill that Word with faith and speak it out, it will work for you to change your life and circumstances as surely as it did for your Father. Find out what real creativity is all about. Dig into the Word of God and start rebuilding your Word, your world today. So, how do we do that? Well, a lot of people said take a, a picture of something and put a verse on it. The verse I like for me is the verse on uh, Hebrews. It says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. For the Lord has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And when we have a need, to, especially to be helping someone else, it would be nice for me to have this so I can 
take them or have them or be, you know, for instance, uh, have a little praise and worship session in the home. It would be nice for us to have uh, room and less clutter and have a little church in our house or a big church to worship God and have have some of these teachings going on, wouldn't it? I don't know how many churches have been created like that. God gives the power for his good will to be done. I myself am guilty. I say it would be good for me to, to win 25 tons of gold so I can go out there and help the poor and make schools and, and have uh, orphanages of about 2,000 kids and teach them the 12-step principles of, uh, of good living, teaching them how to fish, how to be productive, a university of, uh, of, of the 12-step program. It entails everything. All right, now, God bless you. The blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. May the Lord meet you on the high rises in the road and have your back. May the grace and the love and the smile and peace of God be upon you. We bless you in Jesus' name. And remember, we are family. We are one in Christ Jesus. So let's thank God for our problems so they cause us to look at God and He will resolve them. He said, I will never leave you. But let's just thank God for our solutions too at the same time. Put in a solution in there. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. Today's Alcoholic Anonymous reading of pages starting with page 24 in the AA Big Book. Let's go ahead and say the, uh, the serenity prayer and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, stay, like they say in uh, Las Vegas. After a meeting, they'll say, stay. Instead of keep coming back, they say, after a prayer, it works. Okay, here we go. Page 24, the AA Big Book. The fact is that most alcoholics, for yet reason yet obscure, have lost their power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory 
of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first strength. There almost certain consequences that follow, taking even a glass of beer to not crowd the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hazily and rapidly supplied by the ultimate bare idea. This time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There, there is a complete fear against this kind of mess that keeps one of them putting his hands on a hot stove. The alcoholic may say to himself, in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often of us begin to drink in this nonchalant way, and after a third or fourth pound out of the bar, and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how do I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, well, I'll stop with a sixth drink, but what's the use anyhow? When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid, and unless locked up, may go die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. But for, for the grace of God, there, there would be thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop, but cannot. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling, or pride. The confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for a successful consummation, but we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we have been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence of which we have not even dreamed. The great fact is just this, and nothing less that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized the whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, towards God's universe. The central fact is our lives today are absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and our lives, which is indeed miraculous. He has accomplished and commenced and, co and to accomplish those things which we could never do by ourselves. If you're a serious alcoholic as we were, we believe there's no middle road solution. There is in a position where life is becoming impossible and we had to pass through a region of which there is no return through human aid. <coughs> but we had two alternatives. <coughs> One of those was go out to the, the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness and an intolerable situation best we could. The other is to accept spiritual help. This. We did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. Turn to page 62, please. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that, we think, is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later place us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us have had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. 
Neither could we reduce our sevenness much by wishing or trying our own power. We have to have God's help. The how and why, but first of all, we had to quit playing God and Jim work. Next, we decided that after all of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his, we are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Good, many, uh, most good ideas are simple. The concept was the keystone of a new triumphant arch in which we passed through freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things happened. We followed. Uh, we had a new employer being all-powerful. He provided what we needed to keep close to him and perform his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in our own little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt a new power flow in, we enjoyed peace of mind and discovered that we could face life successfully. As we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and thereafter we were reborn. We were now at step three. <clears throat> Many of us said to our maker as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. Page 76, please. When ready, we say something like this, my creator, I'm now willing to do what we should have all of me. Good and bad. I pray now to remove me from every single defect and which stands in my way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me the strength to go out there and do your bidding. Amen. We have now completed step seven. Page 86, please. On awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking especially asking that be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance, for after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is clear of wrong motives. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here, we ask God for inspiration an intuitive thought or a decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we have tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch of occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still in experience and having just made contact with God is not probable that we will we're going to be inspired at all times. We may pay for the presumption of all sorts of obscure actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we think we find that our thinking will come as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. We usually conclude this period of meditation with a prayer and show throughout the day what our next step is to be. And we've been given whatever we need to take care of such problems, especially asking for freedom of self-will and careful not to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfishness. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that. It doesn't work. You can easily see why. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives or friends to join us in morning meditation. If we belong to a religious denomination which requires a definite morning devotion, 
we attend to that also. If not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize a few said prayers, which emphasize the principles we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions about these may be obtained from one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. As we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful and ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show, humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, Thy will be done. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily. For we are not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. Page 416, please. great deal to convince that alcoholism was a disease, not a moral issue. We have to drink it as a result of a compulsion, even though I had not been aware of the compulsion at the time. His sobriety was not a matter of willpower, but the people that he had something that looked much better than what I had. I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. I was There was a certain sense of security in the familiar. At last, except it has been a key to my drinking problem. After all, after I've been around AA for seven months, tapering off of alcohol and pills and finding the program not working very well, I was finally able to say, okay, God, it's true. All people, strange and thing. You know, I didn't get my permission. Really, really am an alcoholic of source. And it's all right with me. Now, what am I going to do about it? Uh, when I stopped living in the problem, and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not one single compulsion to drink. And accepted is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me, and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I can accept my alcoholism, I cannot stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Shakespeare said, All the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. He forgot to mention that I was the chief critic. I was always able to see the flaw in every person, every situation, and I was always glad to point it out because I knew you wanted perfection just as I did AA and acceptance has taught me that there is a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us. That we are all children of God and we each have a right to be here. When I complain about me or about you, I'm complaining about God's handiwork. I am saying that I know better than God. For years, I was sure the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me is that I would turn out to be an alcoholic. Today, I find it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. This proves I don't know what is good for me. If I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or anyone. So it's better off I don't figure, don't give advice, don't. Uh, I know what's best and just accept life on life's terms as it is today, especially my own life uh, as it actually is. Before before AA judged me by my intentions, the world was judged me by my actions. Acceptance has been the answer to my marital problems today. AA has given me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have now been married 35 years prior to our marriage. She was a shy, scrawny, 
adolescent was able to see things in hers that others couldn't necessarily see. Things like char beauty, charm, gaiety, and gifted, easy to be in the top two, and a sense of humor, and other, and other fine qualities. Uh, I, I lost my place. Uh, it was if I had, rather than a mindset that turns everything into gold, a magnified mind that could magnify on whatever it focuses on. Over the years, I thought about Max and all her good qualities grew and grew. We were married and we were, all these qualities became more and more apparent to me and we were happier and happier. But then, as I drank more and more, the alcohol seemed to affect my vision. Instead of continuing to see what was good, about my wife, I began to see her defects. The more I focused my mind on her defects, the more they grew and multiplied. Every defect I pointed out to her became greater and greater. Each time I told her she was a nothing, she receded a little more into nowhere. The more I drank, the more she wilted. Then one day in AA, I was told that I had the lenses and my glasses backwards. The courage to change the serenity prayer meant not that I should change my marriage, but rather that I should change myself and learn to accept my spouse as she was. AA has given me a new pair of glasses. I can again focus on my wife's good qualities and watch them grow, grow, and grow. I can do the same thing with an AA meeting. The more I focus my mind on its defects, late stars, long drunken log, cigarette smoke, the worse the meeting becomes. But when, when I try to see what I can add to the meeting rather than what I can get out of it, and when I focus my mind on what's good about it rather than what's, what's wrong with it, the meeting keeps getting better and better. When I focus on what's good today, I have a good day. And when I focus on what's bad, I have a bad day. If I focus on a problem, the problem increases. If I focus on the answer, the answer increases. Page 420, please. Perhaps the best thing for me is to remember that my serenity is inversely, inversely proportional to my expectations. The higher expectations of Max and other people are the lower my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when... I discard my expectations, but my rights start to move in. They too can force my certain level down. I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations, and by asking myself how important is it really, how important is it compared to my serenity and my emotional sobriety. And when I put when I place more value on my serenity and my sobriety than anything else, I can maintain it at a higher level, at least for the time being. Except it is the key to my relationship with God today. I never just sit around do nothing, waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me that needs to be done. I leave the results up to Him, however it turns out, God's will for me. I must keep my magnifying mind on my acceptance and off my expectation, for my strength is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. And when I remember this, I can see I've never had so good. Thank God for AA. Amen. Page 552, please. He said, in effect, if you are. If you have a resentment you want to be free of, if you will pray for the person or the thing that you resent, you will be free. If you will ask in prayer for everything you want for yourself to be given to them, you will be free. Ask for their health, their prosperity, their happiness, and you will be free. Even when you don't really want it for them and your prayers are only words and you don't mean it. Go ahead and do it anyway. Do it every day for two weeks and you will find you have come to mean it and want it for them. And you will realize that where you used to feel bitterness and resentment and hatred, you now feel compassionate, understanding, and love. It worked for me then and it has worked for me many times since and it will work for me every time I am willing to work it. Sometimes I have to ask first for the willingness, but it too always comes. 
And because it works for me, it will work for all of us. As another great man says, the only real freedom a human being can ever know is doing what you ought to do because you want to do it. This great experience that released me from the bondage of hatred and replaced it with love is just really another affirmation of the truth I know. I get everything I need in Alcoholic Anonymous, and everything I need, I get. And when I get what I need, I invariably find that it was just what I wanted all the time. Page 100, please. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When I when we look back and realize the things that which came to us when we were putting ourselves in God's hand are better than anything that we could ever plan. Follow the decadence of a higher power and you will presently live in a new wonderful world no matter what your uh, present circumstances are. Page 83, please. If we are painstaking about this phase of development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace no matter how far down the scale we have gone. We will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitudes and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Page 85, please. It's easy to let up our spiritual program and lesson our laurels. We've had trouble. If, we're headed for trouble if we do so. Our alcoholism is our fault. We're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is daily replete of the conscience and the maintenance of the spiritual condition. Every day is a day when we carry out this vision of God. Uh, to all of our activities. How how can I best serve thee? But I will not mind be done. These are signs that must go with us constantly and exercise uh, our willpower along the line with uh, all we wish is a proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength, inspiration, direction from He who has all knowledge and power. We are careful not to follow. We're, we we have have carefully followed directions and have begun to sense a new flow of his spirit into us. To some extent we become God conscious, we've begun to develop a vital success, but we must go further, that means more action. Page 43, please. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first strength, except in a few rare cases. Neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. D.N. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you very much for coming in today's reading. God bless you. God bless you too, Fernando. All righty. I'll see you, Rick. See you tomorrow. All right, take care. Take care. Uh -huh. Bye. We'll see you, everyone. Have a great time. Thank you for coming in here and listening to today's podcast. Greetings, welcome to today's reading of Limitless Love and Faith to Faith for November 16, called 
pick up your sword. All right, Faith to Faith, Kenneth Copeland and 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 12. But thou, O, but thou, O man of God, fight the good fight of faith. When you're up against a wall, don't start begging God to break it through it for you. That's not the way he works. He'll give you the plan, he'll give you the power, and he'll guarantee the victory. But your hand, not his, is the instrument he's going to use to sit, get the job done. You're going to have to stretch out your hand by speaking and acting on the word, even when circumstances are against you. God gave me a striking revelation of that over 20 years ago through a vision he gave me in Beaumont, Texas. I was preparing to minister in a service there, spending some time in prayer, when suddenly I saw myself standing in the pulpit of the church. Looking up, I saw a dragon, a horrible, ugly thing, poke his head through the front of the church. As he came into the church, his body expanded like a balloon, filling the whole room. He was snorting fire and smoke. When, in the vision, he turned it on me, he almost burned my clothes. As I fell back on the floor, I saw Jesus standing nearby with a sword in his hand. Why doesn't he do something about this? I thought, can't he see I'm hurting? But he didn't move. He just stood by with a frown on his face. I could tell he was really put out with me. The Bible says God was not pleased with those who were overthrown in the wilderness. 1 Corinthians 10.5 and he wasn't pleased with me either as I lay there on my back in defeat. Then Jesus held up the sword to me and pointed at the dragon. The look on his face said, get up. I reached up to catch hold of the sword and an instant before I touched it, Jesus turned it loose. The sword stayed in midair of its own accord. I grabbed it and began to pull myself up. Not only did it hold firm, but it began to lift me. I stood and touched the dragon's chin with my sword, and it split him from one end to the other. It laid him open right before my eyes. In amazement, I looked down at the sword. Why haven't I used this before, I thought. Don't wait for God to slay the dragon in your life. You have the sword of the Spirit, the all-powerful word of the living God. At your fingerprints, fingertips. Pick it up and use it today. Uh, additional reading, scripture reading will be Joshua 11, 5 to 23. Um, Fernando, my experience is that I did a similar situation where Jesus, in a vision, uh, he, I was praying for about three weeks, wondering uh, if this was all worth it, giving your money to the church, not drinking, not going to the party scene, and uh, reading, and not, and you know, I was just struggling like everybody else of acceptance of my new life, and I kept praying, and then God, Jesus, showed up himself. He was holding the keys to the kingdom, dripping completely in, in blood, and he was extending his hands towards me, looking at me with a frown on his face. I could tell he was really put out with me. And he was giving me the keys of the kingdom. And ever since then, I've been studying blood, the keys of the kingdom, and its authority. So 
it is the word of God. Faith works by love, and love works by the word of God, and the word of God works by us reading it and putting it in our hearts and doing things like we're doing now. Make it effective. It's, we're sharpening our sword and getting ready for the next battle. <clears throat> the war has already been won, but there are loose devils out there, and we are going after them. And you can easily see how easily the dragon was destroyed. You can easily how you see how you can destroy devils by clapping your hands and praising the name of Jesus. You know, in the midst of trials, in the midst of uh, arrogance and or not from, from other people coming at you, influences of the enemy. Amen. All right, we're moving, uh, shifting gears now. We're going to go to Limitless Love. It's called Pass Up the Pity Party by Gloria Copeland. And Caleb still the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. But the man that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched into the, unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eaten up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw... In it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anna, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. So we were in the sight as we were in their sight. And all the, the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Numbers 30, 13. Verse 30, 33, and 14, and verse 1. The next time you're tempted to indulge in a little self-pity, remember the story when you feel small, insignificant, and overwhelmed by the circumstances around you, and want to moan and cry about how no one loves you or takes care of you. Beware, God calls that kind of talk an evil report. He is not going to encourage you, your unbelief, by patting you on the back and sympathizing with you. He won't appreciate your complaints. In fact, he'll probably say to you something like he said to the children of Israel. How long will this people spurn me? And how long will they not believe in me? Numbers 14.11 Once you heard the word that God loves you, he expects you to believe it. He expects you to speak that word and act on it. So no matter how bad things are around you, you should never again say, no one loves me. You should never allow that thought in your mind. When you're tempted to see yourself as a grasshopper, overwhelmed by the circumstances around you, take charge of your thinking and turn the picture around. See yourself as a giant in the Lord. See yourself as the one God loves. Open your mouth and say, God is good to me. If you do that, I can assure you it won't be long before other people are being good to you too. As you receive God's love and act on it, you'll naturally begin to be more loving toward other people. 
you'll put into motion the law of sowing and reaping. As you love others, that love will be multiplied and given back to you again. Again, if you take that path, you won't be overcome by the negative things around you. You'll rise up like Caleb and overcome them instead. You'll pass up your pity party, take hold of God's love, and do your celebrating in the promised land. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful readings. Let's go ahead and read Psalm 16, one of my favorite psalms, please. Okie doke. This month, we're still reading the New King James. Thank God for you version Bible app. I love it. I love it. Sometimes they cut me off. They wanted me to buy the book. The Hope of the Faithful and the Messiah's Victory of David, by David. Pres preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, You are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in shallow. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Let's just do Psalm 46. Another of my favorite psalms. God, the refuge of his people and conqueror of the nations. By the sons of Korah. By the way, there's a beautiful music called the sons of Korah that sing the psalms. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. 
God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her just as the break of dawn. Just at the break of dawn, the nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Psalm 106. Praise the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can declare all his praise? Blessed are those who keep justice, and he who does righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have towards your people. Oh, visit me with your salvation, that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nations, that I may glory in your inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but reveled by the sea the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake, that he might make his power mighty known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but exceedingly lusted in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. When they envied Moses in the camp and Aaron, the saint of the Lord, the earth opened up and swallowed Dayton and covered the faction of Abiram. A fire was kindled in the company and the flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory into the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God their Savior who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them, had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach. 
He turned away his wrath, lest he destroy them. Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his works, but complained in their tents, and did not heed of the, of the voice of the Lord. Therefore he raised his hand in a boat against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their descendants among the nations, and to scatter them in the lands. They joined themselves also to Baal, Peor, and ate the sacrifice made to the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds, and the plague broke out among them. Phinehas stood up and intervened, and the plague was stopped. And that was accounted to him for righteousness. To all generations forever they angered him also at the waters of strife, so it went ill with Moses on account of them, because they rebelled against his spirit, so that he spoke rashly with his lips. They did not destroy the people concerning whom the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare to them, that they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood. The blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the, the land was polluted with blood. Thus they were defiled by their own works and played the harlot by their own deeds. Therefore the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people, so that he abhorred his own inheritance, and he gave them into the hand of the Gentiles, those who hated them and ruled over them. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction. Many times he delivered them, but they reveled in their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Again, nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. And for their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the multitude of his mercy. He also made them to be pitied, pitied by all those who carry them away captive. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the Gentiles. Give thanks to your holy name to triumph in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord.